Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. This is WTIC Pet Talk. Today, Dr. Andrea Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital takes your pet health questions. Whether you have a dog, cat, or hamster, this is a show for you and your best friend. Call in now at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. And now, Pet Talk. Well, good afternoon. This is Dr. Andrea Dennis. And as the announcers announced, I am from the Boomfield Animal Hospital. And it is absolutely a wonderful pleasure to be here on Saturdays. As you know, we're here from 1 to 2 o'clock. And the point of this show is to talk about your pet's health some in generally I like to do um, or try to present how can we prevent d- diseases and as well as guiding you once unfortunately our, our dogs or cats may have an issue a medical issue and the right way to go about treating them but it's all about you it's all about your calls so again just give us a call at 860-522-9842 and um Tom, our producer, will answer your calls and get you in the queue. And the more questions, the better. Uh, I received many um, emails having to do with the show that I did a couple of weeks ago, and they were very positive. There were people that were being very helpful and suggesting some, some of, through their own experience um, some of the cases that we were talking about the year, what they've been through. And some people feel more comfortable emailing and, and sharing that. I also, if you have that comfort level in calling in, again, we're very kind here and we're, we really are very receptive. So that sharing, again, can be very, very helpful to um, all of those that are, are listening. Because, again, we're trying to do what is absolutely best for our pets. As we heard during the um, news break, you know, the University of Connecticut is now celebrating some of their um, co- full college graduations as our other universities. And that's what springtime is all about, right? Graduations, Mother's Day, planting flowers, your annuals. And that's what spring should be the first thought that comes to mind. In my world, it's a little bit darker because when I start seeing that green grass and the warm weather and the forsythias, you know, just sort of blooming, I think start thinking about parasites. And I know that's sad, but I think about my patients and especially with ticks and fleas. It's a little bit early for fleas to be at their height, but it's a concern as well. But we do know that ticks for sure are are a problem here in um, the Northeast and One of the diseases that we have to deal with quite frequently is something called Lyme disease. 
and I know you've heard about it, again, because we live in Connecticut. I work in Connecticut as well. And even though this show um, can be heard online throughout the country, actually throughout the world, here in the Northeast, tick control and preventing tick diseases is very important. As you know, Lyme disease was named after the the town of Lyme here in Connecticut. So we know what a problem it is here in the Northeast. And a couple of the other uh, tick-borne diseases that I see in dogs in particular are called anaplasmosis, ehrlichia. You probably heard of Rocky Mountain spotted fever. So this is the disease itself. Our diseases themselves are things that we can try to prevent. Now, many people come to my office And when Lyme disease is discussed and Lyme vaccines are discussed, they often want to compare it to what they know about human Lyme disease. And the first lesson to be learned about Lyme disease infection is that it manifests itself completely different in man's best friend compared with the human experience. So after being bit by a tick that has transmitted the organism, which is called Borrelia, 80% of humans will actually develop a rash or flu-like symptoms. And in the next few weeks, they start to get joint pain. 15% of people will actually develop neurological abnormalities. And even 5% will start to get a heart rhythm disturbance. You know, at the same time in this infection, dogs, on the other hand, develop hardly 90% of dogs never show any symptoms. That's 90%. So that's one big difference. Weeks to months after infection, I would say about 60% of people will experience intermittent arthritis attacks, and 5% would, again, will get chronic neurological manifestations. In humans, Lyme disease has that potential for a serious long-term illness. When dogs become ill, it does not occur, does not begin to manifest for at least weeks to months after infection, at which point sometimes arthritis signs are noticed. Sometimes you get a fever in dogs. Sometimes there's a, um, you'll see swollen joints, but the neurological and the heart conditions are very rare. Now, the, what we normally do if we suspect Lyme disease in a dog uh, is we will do a test. We'll actually not just test for Lyme. We'll just, we'll t- check for these other um, Lyme, I mean, uh, tech tick diseases, I'm sorry, tick diseases that I was talking about. And the thing is that sometimes you have to determine whether it's an active infection of Lyme disease or not. And that's why, at, you know, at this point, you know, it with tick disease, it relates to, you know, we are veterinarians sometimes will actually recommend, let's just check your dog's blood for tick diseases. Now, even though your dog may be acting perfectly fine, that's a, a test that we'll do periodically. Now, what happens if your dog goes in to the office, goes into the veterinary office, is acting fine, but one of these tests are they're positive for? That's one of the questions. Do you treat these patients for Lyme disease or anaplasma or ehrlichia, whichever showed positive, or do you not? Because if I'm, if I'm already telling you that 90% of dogs that come in ta- contact with this Borrelia, which is Lyme disease, but manifest no symptoms, no signs, their own immune system seems to take care of it, do you have to treat those patients? And that's a conversation you have to have with your, with your veterinarian. I tend to, if I have a positive Lyme, and I tend to do a second test. And then from that second test, I will determine whether I'm going to treat them. And and mainly, even though they're not having bad, a bad limp or their joints aren't hurting, there's another disease that dogs get. And this is very important. 
one of the most serious long-term potential problems that dogs can get is something called glomerular disease. And this is a type of kidney damage that occurs. And as you know, and we've talked about this on the air before, if there is Lyme that's affecting or anything that's affecting the kidneys, that's pretty dangerous. It's very hard for kidneys to kind of regenerate and heal and go from a state of going into kidney failure versus non-kidney failure. And that's very hard to turn around. Versus something like liver disease, we have a lot better odds in in terms of turning around any kind of liver conditions and getting them back to a normal state. So if Lyme disease, just because your dog's not limping and it doesn't have swollen joints, there's still that other um, sort of that other area that we are concerned about. So again, going back to when you're in the office and and there's a positive test, I usually will Go. It's called a Quant C6 is the second test. And I also ask the owners to bring in a urine sample. So if your veterinarian is asking or going along those kind of that same protocol, I'm trying to explain why we're doing it. But always feel free to ask your, your, your veterinarian, okay, if they tested positive, what do I do about that? Now, if I have a sick dog that comes in, swollen joints, never been vaccinated against Lyme, I will start that patient on an anti-inflammatory to help with their pain. And I usually start them on something called doxycycline, which is an antibiotic. And it's not a expensive antibiotic. For a time there, it was very hard to get. I remember ordering quite a large supply about two years ago because I was concerned that with a lot of our generic drugs come from China that we would not have access. So there was a time there where it was hard to get, but it seems like it's back in stock. Right now, it's very should be very easy to get doxycycline if your veterinarian prescribes it for you. So it's a very easily treated disease. You just have to figure out when do they have it and when is it at that level that you have to treat it. And I see we're going to have a call here in just a moment, and I'm probably going to have to take them after the break, but um, we'll do that. Uh, but for some right now, so that's all about that Lyme disease portion of things. Vaccinating. When you go, and especially those of you that are bringing in these newly adopted dogs and adorable puppies, there must be a conversation about vaccinating. I don't consider that the core vaccine, uh, like rabies and distemper, but I often recommend it because of where we live here in Connecticut, because of the Northeast. And I have seen a huge difference with those dogs that are vaccinated against it. I don't believe in over-vaccinating. I'm not telling you you have to vaccinate your dog for vac- for Lyme disease, but at least have that conversation with your veterinarian, especially if you're going to go for hikes, especially if you're going to go, you know, um, uh, with, especially down by the shore. You know, I will go down to the beach and I see that tall grass. I'm sure it has a name. Um, but I'm not the botanist, but the tall grass. And I can, I'm always looking for ticks. I'm looking for those little black specks there that possibly um, is a tick that, you know, could tra- transmit any kind of disease to us or, or even if I'm bringing my dog there as well. So that's kind of the, the mindset about Lyme. I think it's probably going to be a good break before I take Joe. And then we're going to talk a little bit more, a little bit more about Lyme disease springtime issues and we'll have more pet talk that ain't what i want i like to see you out in the moonlight i'd like to kiss you way back in the sticks i'd like to walk you through a field of wildflowers and i'd like to check 
<laughs> if you didn't figure it out, we're talking about ticks today on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. That is the mindset of a veterinarian during springtime. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis, and it's a pleasure to be here today. And I welcome you to call in and share some of your comments uh, about your pets, about some of the experiences you've been through. If you just have a question, no matter how small, no matter how you know, maybe silly you think it is or something you think as a pet owner you should know. There are so many new pet owners right now. Believe me, this is a process. I've been doing this for multiple years and I'm still learning things. So that's what we're here for, to answer those questions so you do the right things. I always tell you that you have to be your pet's best advocate. I'm from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. That's where I work. and um, But have been here for many, many years just being here on the radio and have enjoyed it. And that's why I continue to come back. And we, we share um, time during this slot with Lori Fass, who is the uh, pet trainer. And she also answers um, some of your training questions. So um, speaking of advocates, I think we've got probably one of the best pet advocates that's up next and that's joe how are you doing today joe not bad how are you i'm good i'm good i'm also didn't talk about the kentucky derby um but that's another thing i look forward to in may i have a on the ticks my favorite half of my dog okay they ticked up that he had lyme disease in the examination so he's you know there's no symptoms right so i guess there's a test you guys do yeah and my vet, you don't have to worry, she, she's retired now, but she says the number was 98. I usually don't treat until it's 100. Okay. And I says, okay, and I think I suggest, so let me take him back here in a month or two. Yeah. And I went back there, it was 110. Right. And she still didn't want to treat. Okay. Now, mind you, where I take my dog in the summer swimming, yeah. one year a guy had a golden retriever, it was like a one years old. I came there the next year, he says, this is not the same dog. My other dog got Lyme disease, and it went to, I guess, he's to his liver, I guess, or yeah. kidneys, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. and the dog died. Oh, no. So my vet still, I says, now, give him the doxycycline, right? Right. So she gave him the doxycycline, and then they had to take him off because he got some other thing. They had to put him on antibiotic. And then when I came back, I says to the tech, now give me the rest of your prescription. Right. And you still want to do it? Yes. So I did it, and then I, just, I guess you have to wait six months. Mm-hmm. And they tested him again. It was like 30. Right. I guess you don't worry about it. Right. My thing is, you know, I know the antibiotic resistance, but it's why take the chance? Yeah. Okay. So when you had to go off the doxycycline, did your dog get upset stomach or sick? I, no, I'm, I'm no, no, he had to go off it because he had, we had to put him on another antibiotic for something. He had a skin thing, whatever okay. it was. Okay. But I'm saying, when I told her, I said, now give me back the oxycycline, right. and she, they came at you, really? Yeah, I really want it. And then right. I wasn't going to take the chance. I mean, I mean, it, it, you know, interesting thing, his breeder got Lyme disease, and basically they didn't catch early, and it did a number on her. Oh, yeah. I know a veterinarian that caught it, and the neurological symptoms were just horrific. So let me, so you, you, let me answer the question, um, which I think that you're asking, is that... Why well, okay. take the chance? Why take the chance? I think I have some dogs with doxycycline. Um, I don't know if you've ever taken it as a human, but it is rough on the GI system. It uh, is- I was just talking to 
don't want to mention it. I don't, would have never did on his dog. Oh, my I'm gosh. Her dog. Yeah, and so that's why I'm saying if I see a test that's positive, even if it's for anaplasma or some of the other tick-borne diseases, I do that other test. And, and, and again, if that test is running about 30 or 50, that second test is called a Quant-C6, and the dog is not showing any symptoms, then I also remember I want to see that urine sample because it's the kidneys that get infected in dogs. So if that if it's a normal urine sample and the, we're still pretty low, I will talk to the owner about the odds of and, and the recommendations. And then if the owner says, well, I'm still really worried uh, what you saw, and if there's anything in the kidneys, I, I would like to at least do um, the doxycycline. I'm comfortable with doing that, but I want to make sure there's um, my... My, um, I've got enough facts to be able to help that owner make the right decision. But doxycycline, just because it's an antibiotic, is not harmless. And that's what our worry is, okay? I guess, I guess, you know, uh, we have to talk about, you know, not just using antibiotics whenever and worried about antibiotic resistance. That is another conversation. But I just, I'm talking about, I want to do no harm with my patient. And that's, that's why I just don't say every dog that's positive on that test, I'm just going to put on doxycycline for 30 days. Well, I got concerned when it was like 98, and she says her cutoff point's 100, and then it goes up at 110 in a month or two. And it's just like, right. no, you know, give it to them. Now, let me ask you something. I'm not sure if I did this when I put them on doxycycline. I may. I think I did. The probiotics, does that seem to help the stomach? It does, um, yes. But they have now what they call pro and pre-antibiotics. That's what I would use. I'm sorry, pro and pre- <laughs> Pro and prebiotics. Um, I I think those are what I would recommend doing. Just versus the probiotic for stomach. Um, but that does help. The other thing that helps is making sure that it's usually a um, it's a tablet and making sure it's given with food. And then I actually like to put it in a meatball so that there's food coating it. I never put it on an empty stomach. Cats- yeah, I think because I think it's an interesting thing. I got protecting my other dog. I got bit by a dog once, mm-hmm. and. They, I mean, I went to the doctor, and I don't know what I was taking. It was doxycycline and everything. I remember that. It, one time, it wasn't pleasant, <laughs> you know, on yeah. your stomach and everything. Yeah. At the time, though, I don't think I was any taking any probiotics. I don't think I was even taking a yogurt or anything. Right. But, you know, I know now. Yes, and that can be helpful, but there's another thing. There's something called esophageal strictures, too, especially when it's given in cats, and that is where you will it will cause such an irritation. If that pill does not go all the way down to the stomach and somehow it's caught in the esophagus, which obviously is the tube that brings the, brings the food to the stomach, it can cause these strictures. So in a, by strictures, I mean really it's like you're squeezing the esophagus to the point that it's not as open and as patent as it should be, and in particular cats it's a problem so that's why it's a antibiotic we all talk about but it has a lot of potential damage but we have dogs i have a lot of my patients on it because again i have another dog this week that i actually diagnosed with um, heartworm disease a new dog today only 10 months old from the south yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's just devastating and so um but that dog's going to have to go on doxycycline pro- with the treatment so i'm okay using it but j- let's just make sure we're doing we- there's a real reason to do it but, yeah, but I, good I, 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 you know, I, if the number went down like a month or two right. i would say no but when that number went up 110 i would you know right. and it, let me i rather than then you know yeah you know, risk versus benefit right i wasn't going to risk his life because you know i'll, I'll deal with the upset stomach cleaning up we're not if nothing came to that as opposed right. to 
You know, and then like I said, then they says when the number got down to 30, 30. It's basically that means nothing, you know, you're okay, right? Yeah, and that's where I like it. So I'm just going to ask you, did you have a urine sample checked at all during that time? I'm trying to think. Okay. I forget. I, I I bet forget. She, it was a few years ago. Yeah. I bet if she was doing monitoring the levels of the of the quantity six, I'm sure urine was done as well, because that's when you look for protein in the urine, any sign of kidney um, glomerular nephritis and that can be really that's the problem that we don't see so much in people but definitely in dogs and that's why we want to see well that's the beauty of the yearly wellness examination you got it no symptoms at all he's a nut i mean he's a visual he's a nutcase he's still i mean we're we're, we're averaging 10 (laughs) miles a day this year right him more i say let him loose he's a nutcase he just you know he comes back but at the time, he was you know, he was like that, and no symptoms at all, but he had mine. Oh, God. Well, and again, you knew what your the exposure was, but you, the fact that you mentioned that he's a visa, um, and I, I'm going to have to go in about 30 seconds here, but I am going to start uh, a new segment here on the show. I'm going to talk about a breed. We're going to do a breed, a new breed every time we come on the air, and I'm going to have to reach out to you so you can tell. We're going to talk about different ones. We'll have to talk about the visa when, when it's... Sure. I mean, I tell people, great dog, but if you're not going to exercise, just forget it. (laughs) Oh, I know you'll have lots of good advice, Joe, for sure. I'll tell them, too. All right. Very good, doctor. Take care. You, too. Thank you very much. Stay away from those ticks yourself, too. (laughs) I will, for sure. Bye now. Appreciate. Thanks. Bye-bye, Joe. Appreciate you, too. He's got a a wealth of information, Joe does. And, um, you know, again, he is a caring advocate for his pets and he and his knowledge he's he's right on the money and um again i'm just i just extrapolate a little bit more pull a little bit more information out so that we can give you um from the medical side to why we do things and and um it's a it's a good lesson to be had so yeah we're going to come back after the news there's a lot more pet talk right here on wtic news talk 1080 Yes, it is Saturday. It's actually the running of the roses today, too, at the the Kentucky Derby. I've never been to the Kentucky Derby, and sometimes I'm torn. I mean, those creatures are so absolutely beautiful. But then, you know, you you just want to make sure they're being treated the right way. And um, I actually... um, Actually, this is Dr. Andrea Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital. So I'm talking um, as a veterinarian. I'm here on Saturdays. Love to hear from you. Uh, So if you do have any calls, please, um, or not calls, but just questions, give us a call at 860-522-9842. Would love to talk with you about anything. I started the show talking about ticks, and I have a few things I want to resolve with that. But you can call about absolutely anything, and uh, we'd appreciate it. But um, talking today about the uh, running of the roses in um, the Kentucky Derby, I actually, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually did a residency in uh, large animal medicine at UC Davis in California and worked with some of the most incredible equine uh, individuals, a lot of them on the racehorses, spent a lot of time, um, spent like a couple of weeks just at a foaling farm where a lot of these uh, very expensive racehorses 
they would um, actually be born at this farm that I worked at in Santa Barbara as part of my residency. And it's it's a whole it's a whole different world. I mean, some of you are aware of how much that goes into involved in breeding, artificial insemination. It's 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 just um, absolutely amazing, and the amount of care that these individuals get while they're being raised and while they're being trained. You know, somewhere though along the lines, you know, sometimes there are people that are not thinking in terms of what's best for the animal, for the horse sometimes. And so that's the part that kind of bothers me. So I love watching it, but at the same time, I'm somewhat torn and I'm sure some of you feel the same way. But so as you know, veterinarians have to know all species and you can't be good at everything. And that's why I've really concentrated uh, the last um, couple of decades just with small animals and um, working preliminarily, primarily with uh, dogs and cats. So that's why that's why we do most of the talking about that. But um, until we get a couple more calls in, I'm going to just kind of finish up to to about this Lyme disease aspect. And that is that, you know, the, the Lyme disease is actually transmitted by the deer tick. And that's called Exodes scapularis. And just so you know, and I'm not going to get into the whole life cycle because I will absolutely bore you. There is no doubt about it. But I want you to just think about this number. The female tick lays a clump of approximately 2,000 eggs each spring. That's 2,000 eggs. And that is totally gross. And then the small six-legged larva hatches out of these little eggs. And that attaches to a host as soon as it can. And that host usually is the white-footed mouse. And if that mouse is actually carrying the Lyme disease organism, which is called which is called Borrelia, it's a spirochete, the larva can get affected at this point. And then just like any life cycle with parasites, you usually start off with eggs. That goes then to a stage of larva. And then that matures to the nymph stage and then to adults. But again, I have, I can talk about, the life cycle of this tick for about two days, and I'm not going to do that. But just keep in mind. So again, what can we do? Are we just kind of stuck? Do we have to live with this? And that's where I really want you to talk with your veterinarians about the best preventative for your pets. What's best that you can actually put on them if they're going outdoors? And I have a couple of comments about cats as well. But those dogs that are going down to the to the shore, although they're just going in the woods, they have to live with these ticks. And just so you know that that tick needs to be attached to your dog. If this tick is carrying this Lyme disease, it needs a minimum of 48 hours to transmit that organism into your dog. So even though some of these products that are available that do a great job with ticks, sometimes you might see that tick attached but it's going to die and it's going to definitely not be able to transmit that disease into your dog. So talk to your veterinarian. Do you like the sprays? Do you like the collars? Do you want the, the next guard, the, the different kind of oral medications, the topicals? There are choices to be made. I just want you to try to do and pick the best choice. And I know some of you were like, well, this is a pesticide and I don't want to put anything like that near my pet. That is your decision and that's your choice, but at least um, try to make it as informed a decision as possible. So even though, so that's talking about how many ticks can, one little, can eggs can be laid. And then people say, well, what about my cat? Fortunately for me, um, my cat is indoors. 
I think from when I first started in veterinary medicine, a lot of cats were going outside. I have seen that trend change tremendously. So the majority of cats that I see are indoor cats. They do not go out. But some people bring them out on a leash. Some people, when we were talking about, you know, how dangerous um, lilies are to cats, some people do still let their cats out. They can pick up ticks. There was one case that I had um, about six years ago, outdoor cat. The owner thought that it had tumors on its eyelids. It was a white cat. And she brought him in because she thought that these tumors were occurring on her cat's eyelids. And when I looked at this cat's eyelids, there were about 30 ticks deer ticks just attached to the eyelid. They weren't tumors. They were ticks. And, you know, once I, you can tell I probably get, I get grossed out by this, but um, I had to kind of compose myself. And then we sedated the cat and I, you know, we, we were able to get rid of all these ticks. But so obviously this cat was hunting or just kind of burrowed itself somewhere and ended up going into a place where one of these female ticks just laid 2000 eggs. So, you know, again, that's what, that's how, it can be transmitted, how cats can get this. So they can sometimes get stiff and swollen joints. Cats can. Um, sometimes you'll also see they'll get very lethargic. They won't want to eat. But I must say that it's rare. We don't see it nearly as often as we do in dogs. They're highly resistant. They get the bacteria. The bacteria can be transmitted if they're not on any preventative. But they have this high resistance. I don't think we quite understand why, how cats can fight it off better than dogs, but they do. And, but they have other diseases. You know, we see hemobartonella that's transmitted by a tick for, for cats. That can be life-threatening. It causes an anemia for them. So when you have an outside cat, you should also, and even indoors too, because we worry about heartworm disease as well, but they should be on a preventative, especially during this time of year. So I'm just going to recommend that as well. And as I said, even if your cat does have this, this doxycycline, as which is the main treatment right now for, for tick disease, we just have to be really, really careful with cats and making sure um, if it's given in a pill form that they swallow that pill because they're very, very sensitive, like I said, to esophageal strictures when I was talking with Joe earlier. So that's kind of my um, summary on ticks. And since I, uh, oh, you know what? My thing went dead again. I'm so sorry. I have a couple of calls here, and I do apologize. I'm usually on top of this, but my screen just went black. So, Jim, I'm gonna, um, I'm just gonna bring you up right away, and then hang in there with me. Okay, how are you? All right, yeah. Um, I guess we have to, the, the board's a little bit different. Well, do I, tr do I trust this person that's calling now then? Hello, this is Dr. Dennis. All right. This is, I think this is going to work this time. <laughs> can I help you? Hello? Hi, it's Dr. Dennis. How can I help you? Hi, doctor. How are you? Good. To, I'm great today. Uh, um, first time caller, so I'm nervous. Oh, do not be nervous. Hey, this is Detective Strange Man out of Danbury, Connecticut. You do I know you? Show. You have a great show. Thank you. Listen, I emailed uh, your office, but you didn't uh, respond. But listen, um, I have a question on neutered and spading. 
and pets. Mm-hmm. As you know, it happens at a young age and it's quite traumatic to them. Uh, and the other question is I, I'm sponsoring a pet overseas and I'm thinking about uh, international adoption. But uh, the big thing is neutered and spading and pets. And I'm talking restrictions. So I will hang up and listen to your response off the air. You have a great uh, show. I appreciate and you have it. Great studio people. God bless. And listen, if you're a mom, happy Mother's Day ahead of time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I am. I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you for your kind words. Okay. He said he was going to hang up, and he did. So, Joe, I, um, hopefully you got that compliment, too. And I'm sorry, I think I hung up on our on the previous caller. So please call back. I promise I'll get you on the air. Please call back. Um, again, my, my screen had just gone dead there for a little bit. But the, the it's an excellent question that the detective <laughs> brought forward, and that is this whole um, neutering and spaying early. So neutering is a castration and um, the spaying is ovarial hysterectomy that's generally done. And there was a trend there, I would say about 15 years ago that started about when we had all these unwanted dogs and cats on the street and they were being, um, looks like we got our call back. Good. And so that it looks like that, you know, so the trend was we didn't want these unneutered pets out on the street. So they were being spayed and neutered Young. I mean, sometimes eight weeks old, sometimes three months old. Then, you know, whereas typically we were kind of recommending six to eight months. So that's what that's the past. The trend now, and this is through some recent research that has occurred, and it was primarily with golden retrievers. And again, we can talk about this. I think I should at a full show at some point. But there is because of this study. We are leaning towards larger dogs, Labrador retrievers, golden retrievers. We're leaning towards other dogs, the, old, the bigger dogs, to wait until they at least have one heat cycle. That's And there's some people, there's a group of veterinarians that be, believe very strongly that's the way it should be done, and others that can, can go either way. But we do know that we... I'm not recommending that early age neutering and spaying either. I think there should be some maturity. I think we want some of those hormones developing in their system. And and again, any golden retriever, Labrador, all those golden doodles, labradoodles that we're seeing a lot of, I'm really recommending to wait at least to that after that first heat. Now, the small dogs, you know, some people say, well, I don't want to wait. And it's, you know, she's a 10-pound chihuahua. Why, why do I have to wait? And I said, well... I will kind of give them. They don't want to go through that heat cycle. It can be pretty messy. They don't. They have another dog. Maybe they have an unneutered male that they don't want to neuter. So there's different situations. I am not hard and fast that I have the final say on every treatment. I think spaying and neutering is a, is somewhat of a personal decision. I have some people that never do it. And the timing, I can guide you with the research, and then you make your right decision with your veterinarian. So hopefully that will help just a little bit. So um, I think uh, with that being said, I think I will promised. Ah, I think I got you, Jim. Why? Thanks for calling back. I felt so bad if I hung up on you, but I, how, how can I help you today? Well, I had uh, a question and a comment on fix, but also a question on spaying my puppy. Go. Um, so You're all uh, set. Go ahead. I was told, I don't know if it's true or not, but Lyme disease really isn't active from November 1st to roughly May 1st or okay. April 1st. Right. And I didn't know if that was true. Or not. I know there's a lot of other diseases out there on other ticks that are. 
Right. Um, and I just didn't know about the Lyme disease part. Right. And and that's generally, I wouldn't say may, but that's your... your uh, it, it's it's at a much lower pace because again the nymphs do come out i'm sorry the larvae do come out in the spring and they do the first feeding and then they kind of like are subdued and kind of quiet and quiescent for about 6 months during the winter but then you can have yeah. a then you have the nymphs that can be coming out at different times and sometimes you have the adults and the adults can also transmit too but i would agree oh. that the least active phase or time of get transmitting to Lyme disease is from November to I would say April, early April. All right, but and it can happen. I yeah, because I live out West Buffalo. I have a lab puppy uh-huh. who likes to walk in the field. Yes, and we got black leg ticks. We've got dog ticks. We got ticks galore. Um, Do you use a preventative gym, or you don't believe in it? Yeah, where well, she's on Next Garden, she has been since she's about. Good. I don't know, eight weeks old. Good, good. Um, her, her the guy who got her is a big bird dog guy, and, yeah. and she's going to be a bird dog. So nice. it was important. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, well, about spaying, uh, just because you put it on your dog and the dog's safe, doesn't stop the dog from bringing it in. Right. Which is why I've told my wife we don't want the dog in the bed with us. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yes. And my, my <laughs> wife listens about as well as the dog. So. Uh, well, then what you want to do with Jim, you just do that tick check. If you're not winning in that fight, then do your tick check before that dog hops in your bed. That's, yeah, that's great. Except I explained to my wife that the ones we've got to worry about are the really small ones. Yes, yes. And she's missed a couple. So I was fortunate. I called my doctor. He gave me the, the prescription to go to CVS, two doxycycline tablets, and you're done. Good. Um, but I, I got a couple bites. Um, but the other question I had about is, uh, my dog, she's eight months old now. She's yeah. a uh, black lab. Mm-hmm. Um, different people are giving me different advice on when she should be spayed. Right, right. And so, you know, and I don't know if you were listening um, to the caller just before you, before I hung up on you, but, um, but and I do apologize for that. That was on me. Um, but the, the Labrador Retriever, I, my opinion would be I would put the, uh, the, the, your lab, her, in, a, in that category to wait a, that one heat cycle. And the reason is because that's the general feeling. She's not a small little dog. We talked about this study with golden retrievers that were still that has been going on for years and years, and that's what the strong recommendation is in terms of reducing um, le- um, arthritis, reducing cancer, um, healthier pets. And, that that's what they're seeing. And that's 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 what my my wife keeps on you know hearing advice from other people. Right, and then people um, will read about it online too. And I, you know, going through a heat, um, especially with a dog, I'm sure. What is she? Sixty pounds now? Fifty pounds? Uh, 65. Yeah. Yeah. It's not always pleasant, but we, and, and the other side of this though, is the fact that we do know if we allow them to have too many heat cycles, the chance of having mammary cancer or breast cancer is high too. So I go kind of in the middle with that, let them have one first heat and then spay them. That's my opinion. Okay. I got some music, Um, music playing. Do you want to hold and I'll finish talking to you after the break? Yeah, it'd be great. Fine. Okay, hold on then, Jim. And I'm here, my little subtle message that we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more pet talk. To all of the queens who are fighting alone, baby, you're not dancing on your own. Welcome back. You are listening to the last 10 minutes of pet talk. Actually, the last five minutes 
Boy, did this hour go by fast. I'm Dr. Andrea Dennis from the Bloomfield Animal Hospital, and I want to thank Justin Levine for providing the music. And just to make sure I do not forget my producer, Joe, either by the end of the show, because sometimes I'm rushing at the end of the show. Joe, thank you for everything. Um, So, again, I as promised, I wanted to just allow Jim a couple more minutes, Jim, okay? I didn't want to leave you hanging because you were so good to call back. No problem. I I did have one other question for you. Sure. Out here in our wanders... Uh, lately, my dog has found a couple of dead birds, okay. um, which I, I'm attributing to bird flu, I guess. Yeah. They say it's coming around. Right. Um, my wife is very worried that she can get bird flu from the dead birds. Um, I'm not sure that's possible. I'm more worried about her eating the bird and getting bone stuck in her. Yeah. But she's pretty good about just bringing them back and wanting me to throw them Right. You know, and I I think um, the, the avian influenza is something that I think we should be somewhat concerned about. We know that it's coming around. Um, I, oh, yeah. I, you know, I think I personally think that the um, DEP, I would probably I don't know if they're testing any of these birds, but the DEP would be some place that I would contact and see if they would at all be, you know, want to see any of these specimens um, at uh- this point point in time i don't set, we have not had any evidence of it transferring from bird to dog but again if we're still dealing with dealing with like an h1n1 just like we've been through with covid we always worry oh, yeah. about the jumping from one species of animals to another so i am with your wife let's not have her come in contact let's grab these birds hopefully before she does, does well it's tough because she can find them I know, she, I know. She, and again, labs are really good about finding uh, birds. It sounds like she's a good, she's good at what she does. And I think I would not lose any sleep over it. But if we can avoid it, then let's do it. Because again, like I said, I'm not having having read, and I keep up with as much of this as I possibly can. Have not heard of this happening. Um, but again, we've seen the, the, the canine influenza that came from equine. The, you know, you yeah. hear about the dog flu. So we see that species jumping more than we like. But don't lose any sleep over it. Do what you can. But I love, I, I would contact the DEEP. I would contact that number. They can be very, very helpful. Okay. All right, will do. All right, that sounds really great. Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have a good one as well. Bye-bye. Sounds like a gorgeous lab. we got to see a picture one of these times. Um, I'm going to try. I just want to pay homage. And, Dave, if I don't get to you, I will definitely answer your question off the air because I don't have to rush and do anything this afternoon. But I just wanted to um, highlight uh, the the breed of the month here before I let anyone go, and that is the Great Dane. And the reason why this came to mind, you may have heard that the two-year-old Zeus from Bedford, Texas, has now been the Guinness World Record tallest dog. And it usually is a Great Dane, but we now have one right here in the United States. And from Texas, he's been determined the tallest dog in the world. He's three feet, five inches. Now, he has not. there has been another Zeus in the past, um, that was a previous Guinness Book world holder. He was three feet ten inches, but that's a tall dog. And if you were wondering, well, how much does Zeus eat? Zeus eats about twelve cups of food a day. And I want to say that if you're thinking about getting a Great Dane, just some of the they are wonderful, wonderful pets. They're calm. They do need some exercise. You're not going to run this dog. So if you just want sort of a calm, large dog, the Great Dane is a wonderful specimen. But I also would have you do your research because they are prone 
to quite a few health concerns. Um, they do tend to have a shorter lifespan than other dogs. And that's something that, you know, you probably have heard about that large dog. Sometimes seven years old is a full life, but the average is seven to 10. Uh, they do require, they do are tend to have that problem with um, what we call gastric torsion, where the stomach can twist on itself and it could be potentially fatal. But there are procedures, some surgical, something called a gastropexy that can be done. But they are not a cheap dog to have. They're not cheap to feed. They're not cheap to give medicine to. And like I said, talk about and read um, about some of the few health problems that they they can have before you decide to buy a Great Dane or adopt a Great Dane. But we're honoring Zeus, the tallest dog in the world, uh, with the Great Dane breed. Okay, so you know what? I did have one more call, but Dave, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on hold. And with that, I'll get to you off off the air. I was having a good time answering questions, and time got a little bit away from me, but I will be back in two weeks. Lori Foss will be back next week. And again, Joe, thank you very much for all your help. But we're going to have to say see you next time. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.